0: Welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean, and this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday, normal rhythms of life, and I got all the gentlemen with me on the podcast today, so gentlemen, say your name.
1: This is Rob Spekstra, Pastor of Discipleship.
2: Kevin Knorr, Pastoral
0: Assistant.
1: Alex Tate, Sacred City Youth Director.
0: All right, now, one of the things that um, we are called to do as Christians is to hold fast to the hope of the gospel, mm-hmm. right? Yep. We're called to hold fast to the truth of Scripture. We're, we're to keep the doctrine pure and unstained, right? As pastors, we're called to protect the sheep, which means uh, pr- to prevent false teaching from coming into the church, all right? Now, we've all heard the um, analogy of the slippery slope, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And the slippery slope is the analogy of If you take one step off of this ledge or one step off of this peak or whatever, Mm -hmm. traverse, Mm -hmm. that's a slippery slope. And so (laughs) you take one step off and guess what's going to happen? You're going to wind up at the bottom of the hill. Yeah. Okay. Now, I have been uh, thinking more and more and more about the slippery slope. And I've kind of pushed back against it for a long time. Uh, and, and And some... regards to uh, matters of doctrine, we would say matters that aren't kind of we would say top tier doctrines that specifically address the gospel. As you get down to second tier, third tier, fourth tier, um, people would say, oh that's a a slippery slope. You go there and then you're going to wind up down the hill. And I'd be like, I don't really know. I don't really see the connection. Now that I've been in ministry for over 20 years and I've been a pastor here at Sacred City, I am more convinced than ever that when a Christian or a pastor or a denomination takes one step away from the scriptures and they twist or bend or capitulate to the culture in areas that they indeed are on a slippery slope and it becomes almost impossible for them to remain historically orthodox Mm -hmm. and eventually five, 10 years down the road, they're all the way down at the bottom of the hill. And what's down at the bottom of the hill? Theological liberalism. Yeah. Cultural liberalism. Um, you can name it today now. You could call it wokeism. You could call it Marxism. You can call it communism. You can call it atheism. You can call it subjectivism.
3: So any ism's bad. Almost any ism. <laughs> almost any ism right.
0: is an ideology that opposes Christianity. Okay? You got cults down there you've got all kind of stuff down at the bottom of that hill, right? And one of the examples of that, Kevin, you uh, emailed this a statement to us. So how did you come upon it? And what, tell us what it is.
2: Yeah, so this is the EV- ELCA, which is the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America's Statement on Faith, Sexism, and Justice.
0: So before you do that, ELCA Lutherans, um, we have ECLA churches in the Quad Cities. Mm-hmm. Quite a few. Quite a few. So this is the mainline Lutheran denomination.
2: Yeah, primary Lutheran denomination in the Quad Cities, actually.
0: Okay. All right, so the mainline, so if you see a Lutheran church in the uh, the Quad Cities, it's more than likely an ELCA church. Yep. Okay? Now this church, stemming all the way back from Martin Luther himself, has written a paper called Faith, Sexism, and Justice, Mm -hmm. a Call to Action. All right, now, give us some brief history of the statement or what or what you got on it, because you sent it to me. So you, your interest was piqued, and yeah. this is your day, this is your
2: topic, Appreciate you're, it. you're the man. Yeah. yeah, so this is a basically a position paper that they put out, gosh, it was four or five years ago, um, and it came to my attention because it was a church that I actually grew up in before I came to faith, um, led by a couple of lady pastors, and so the denomination sent this out. My, my parents and my grandmother were still in the church at the time. I was here. Um, and so they sent it to me and started asking about finding better churches. But in a in a nutshell, um, this statement is trying to build a case for, I'd say, equality. Um, you might even say egalitarianism. But if you look through it, there's very little scripture. There's very little... Um, very little rooting in the word of God, any, in the, the standard of truth, and they appeal extensively to um, more to plain reason than the scripture.
0: Okay, so I would, I would say you put that very mildly, <laughs> because this paper doesn't just call for egalitarianism. Right. This, from my perspective, mm-hmm. this paper, well, in their own words, this calls for um, embracing homosexuality. Oh, yeah embracing transgenderism Mm -hmm. um, the dismantling of the patriarchal society and by that they mean um, a male led where males have the predominance Mm -hmm. of power authority and uh, power authority and
2: and, influence and influence
0: okay Um, and by the end of this paper mm-hmm. you get a totally different religion mm-hmm. they claim that Adam they, they they do all kind of weird stuff with Adam oh, yeah. and say he wasn't created before Eve and all these different things but this is a paper that has embraced Marxism yep literally um, what's it called intersectionality yep this has embraced um, all the issues that are hot and you know popular yep. in the liberal world today. It's embraced them all and tried to the word is syncretize yep. take Christianity and merge them with what's hot in the culture and you get something totally different. Now this is nothing new. This is what theological liberalism has been doing um, for about 80, 80 80 years at least. Mm-hmm. Taking whatever's cool in the culture and trying to merge it today yeah. with with Christianity. Um,
3: so how do they do that? Because what, what do you mean by that? Because um, there's some things that we see in culture that you know that need to be restored. There's some things that we should accept, and there's some things that we completely reject. Yes. Right. So when you say merge the culture, what do you mean by when you say that?
0: Well, first off, the what you just used that that trichotomy that you just used <laughs> they would use on the Bible itself. Yes. They would say there's things in the Bible that that are good. There's Mm. things in the Bible that we should change. And there's things in the Bible that we should outright reject. And who determines that? Mm. We would say, by what standard? And they would say, by human reason. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: We, We are evolved. We are educated. We are way smarter than those people in the Bible. And clearly we know there's nothing wrong with homosexuality. Clearly, we know there's nothing wrong with transgenderism.
3: So would they say as well, like, we're reforming and always reforming, and mix that together with that?
0: Yes. So, th- so But they would embrace, they wouldn't say those words, they would embrace liberalism. In liberalism, mm. every worldview has to have an eschatology. It has to have a, 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 a theology of the end. And liberalism, because it believes and it's based primarily in evolution, it believes mankind is evolving on their own or by accident and all these different things towards utopia. Mm -hmm. What's that? Utopia is the epitome of human flourishing. Right. Minus a savior. Mm -hmm. Minus a king. Mm. So somehow mankind is becoming more benevolent through technology and our dominion, taking dominion over nature, that we are going to create a society of men that are basically demigods that we can all dwell together in unity Mm -hmm. right and so that is one of the foundational tenets of liberalism now here's the here's what we need to see that's not altogether different from what Christianity promises right like Christianity promises that we are reformed and always reforming, that we're working towards the end of all things, and that Jesus Christ is making all things new. Yes. Yes. But the key difference is Jesus Christ is king. Yes. He's the one who tells us what is true. He's the one who tells us what is good, right, beautiful, perfect, all of those things. Yeah. And we can't have utopia. We can't have uh, paradise without the snake crusher, without the king liberalism says you will be the king. Yeah. We will be the kings. Yeah. We will be gods and goddesses. Mm-hmm. We are the enlightened ones who will rule this planet in benevolence.
1: Yeah, yeah so the, the reforming that you're referring to, uh, Alex, or the uh, or what they would say, the other word we're using is evolution that, that a, a liberal theology will take is that they are saying the authority is once, what you're saying is that the end is we will become kings. So who's who's uh, word is king. Well, yeah. our word is king. My word is yeah. king. In other words, the authority that we are using to determine whether something is right or true is myself. Mm-hmm. I become that authority. Whereas when we say we are re- always reforming and always reforming, what we are looking back to is we're looking back to the king and the words that he gave to us as a means to be continuing to ask ourselves, is what we are, is what we're doing, is this, in conformity to what God has already revealed to us in Scripture, so we're really getting back down to the essence of what is true and where our authority is in terms of yeah. of of, of, the, of the Word. So there is interesting enough. There are some things in Scripture that we would say is something we should not copy. In other words, there are some things that are described in Scripture. So before, as we were kind of describe, we were kind of talking about this this podcast itself as an example. Polygamy is in Scripture, so. We're not saying that polygamy is something that we should be doing. And the reason we would say is, oh, you shouldn't do that is because scripture itself has told us that polygamy is wrong. In other words, we look back to chapter two of Genesis and we realize, oh, no, God created a man and a woman and they are to come together and that's it. Yeah. And so it's about it's, what are we doing? We're not. We are not saying, hey, by our reason, we think this is a good idea. No, we're saying, no. God told us, he revealed this to us as a, this is how it should be. And yeah. so.
0: There are some things in scripture that are descriptive. Yeah. And not prescriptive.
1: Prescriptive, right. Yeah.
0: Polygamy, men took more wives than they should have. Right. Like, that's what they did. The Bible never condones it, never says it was good. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously in creation, there was one man, one, one female, and the two became one, mm-hmm. right? And God blessed it. But Jesus, the son of God, when speaking on marriage also said, don't you know what's in the beginning? God gave one man and one mm. female to be wedded forever. Right. And you know what God joined together, let no man put asunder." Yeah. So Jesus affirmed what we would now call the conservative view of marriage. Right. Mm. Yeah. It's actually just the biblical view of marriage. One man, one woman, one lifetime. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's the only way. Yeah. Two men are not married. I don't care what the go- government says. That is a mirage. That is not a marriage. Mm-hmm. That is something different.
2: Mm. Um,
0: there are no homosexual marriages. Okay, there and polygamy is a breakdown in marriage. There, yeah. th- that is not a marriage in in the Christian sense of the word. Right. word. Okay. So are
3: they taken from like Solomon, where he has 700 wives? Is that what they're trying to?
0: Abraham, there's lots of different mm-hmm. people. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Have, they have They, have, mm. they have lots of people different. So the, some people are. If they want, oh, the Bible condones polygamy. No, it doesn't. Mm. The Bible doesn't condone it. The, the Bible describes men, who had polygamy, and the yeah. Bible also describes all of the chaos that came yes. from them having multiple wives.
3: You got one wife, boy. You yeah. got not 700. Well that's, so, that's a lot. That's a lot going so, on there. Yeah.
0: Here is, let me just, Christian listening, we're going to get into some detailed stuff that you might not really care about, but here is the, here is the main thing. Liberalism wants you to be embarrassed of your Bible.
2: Mm.
0: yeah liberalism wants you to read your Bible and go, oh, well, that's what they did back then.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But we're so much wiser now. We're so much smarter now. We're so much more evolved. That's what they did back then. We don't have to do that anymore
2: mm-hmm.
0: today. All right? Now, the, the funny thing that is you bring up polygamy. <laughs> we don't say that about polygamy. Like poly- Polygamists are saying, now that we're evolved, we should go back to polygamy.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting enough, yeah. yeah. It's
3: a big circle.
0: Right? They're yeah. wanting to go back to polygamy now. And, and with this um, disrespect for marriage act that's being pushed through the through Congress right now, mm-hmm. they might actually get their way. And, and it's very sad that even our senator, Joni Ernst, uh, voted for it uh, a couple weeks ago. And I sent a letter to her, and I encourage all of our church members to send a letter to her, to and I sent a, a specific uh, tweet to her as well, and I said to our senator, I said, uh, Miss Miss Ernst, um, what are you conserving? If you're not conserving traditional marriage and religious freedom, because this uh, this uh, Respect for Marriage Act puts both of those in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Like there is no cons- political conservatism if you're not conserving the the things that conserve society, which are biblical norms right? Yeah. One of them being the family, one of them being right. uh,
3: the nuclear family, uh, right?
0: gender itself, mm-hmm. yep. right? Okay, so liberalism, here's the slippery slope. It wants you to look, read a Bible text and go, oh, we don't really have to obey that anymore, do we? Now, again, this is where it gets so tricky because there are some aspects of what we would call the ceremonial law in the Old Testament that have been fulfilled by Christ that we don't have to Right, worrying about different fabrics that we're wearing and avoiding shellfish and things like that. But here's why we don't it's not because we've evolved, it's not because God has changed his mind, it's because Jesus Christ has come and Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of the ceremonial law. So we don't have to do those things anymore because now Jesus is our prophet, Jesus is our priest, Jesus is our king. But here's the deal Jesus Himself, our prophet, priest, and king, Mm -hmm. tells us. God, in the beginning, God made them male and female. Jesus tells us marriage is between one man and one woman, Mm -hmm. right? And so we can't, to move beyond that is to step into something different than Christianity, literally a different religion. Mm. So the ELCA, the, the mainline Lutheran denomination has done that. Yeah. And here's one of the ways they've done that. And let me, I'm gonna read this from Article 7 of this paper they put out. They say this As Lutheran Christians, we recognize human reason and knowledge as gifts from God to be used for the common good. While the scriptural call to neighbor justice is clear, human reason and knowledge are essential to discern the specific forms, policies, and structures that best enable us to enact justice in particular contexts. Mm -hmm. If I could simplify this text, here is the fatal flaw of liberalism, the fatal flaw of the ELCA in this moment. They say scripture is not enough. Right. We need scripture plus human reason. Mm-hmm. Human reason and knowledge. Now, here is the problem we have with that. What happens when scripture and human reason are at odds with each other? There can only be one standard.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Right? There can only be one standard. So what happens? You guys answer the question. What happens When human reason and God's revelation, God's word, are at odds with one another.
3: Human has to submit to God's word. Well, we have to pick one.
0: You have to pick one. You have to pick one, right? You have to pick an ultimate standard. So is ultimate standard human reason, or is the ultimate standard God's word?
3: Mm -hmm. God's word.
0: Well, conservatives say God's word. Liberals say human reason. Mm
1: what 's challenging with this is that you could have a passage of scripture that that could be um, you, you do have to use human reason to simply well i mean to simply just understand the the, the the sentence itself, but you also need to use human reason to some level at times of to understand the genre you got to understand the time you know so it's not as if we're here sitting here saying oh you don't use human reason at all you just you know scripture is just going to say be very clear to us oh no there's 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 passages that really does require to you to do a little bit of study to understand what was being written mm-hmm. at the time who was the audience who's the author who's the audience what was he writing to so that we understand what that author particular author was was saying so it's it's Yes, we do have to choose one or the other, um, but uh, it may be a false dichotomy to say that it's that simple. It does require a level of us getting into the text a little bit. The challenge, of course, is um, when we get into the text so much, we are asserting ourselves into that text. You know, you know, you know what yeah. I'm trying to push back on yeah. a little bit here?
0: Well, human reason is a presupposition. Okay. Hmm. Sure. We presuppose that we're rational sure right now we have Mm -hmm. Christians have a basis for that presupposition because God himself is rational yep God himself is Mm -hmm. logic God himself is wisdom God himself is these things and so he created the world in a way that can be understood he created us with rational minds imago Dei that can understand the world so of course human reason is a presupposition he's given us a book well guess what that presupposes you can read
1: yeah (laughs) Yes.
0: In order to read, you have to have human it's reason. Human reason.
1: right? Yeah, yep.
0: But divine revelation is given to us and it has the authority of God with it and it can trump our human reason in the fact of miracles.
2: Yeah.
0: Miracles trump human reason. Okay. Right? Yep. Miracles are o- operating contrary to human reason.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No one can walk on water right Well when Jesus walks on water, he does something contrary to human reason right. And he can do that because he's God and he created the laws of physics he cre- and he can suspend them when he wants to mm-hmm. suspend them, right mm-hmm. So human reason is not the ultimate Epistemological justification. That's the big <laughs> word I wanted to use. Human reason is not the final arbiter of truth, right. God's word is the final arbiter of truth. This is the difference between conservatives and liberals and liberals. Yeah. This is why you have men like Thomas Jefferson who would cut out all the miracles of his, bo- of his Bible and just leave the moral teachings, because he valued human reason above all things. Mm-hmm. This is why the French Revolution wanted to get rid of all religion completely, and it killed the king, and it killed pr- uh, priests and popes, and, or not popes, but uh, priests and, uh, and all kind of re- religious people because they wanted to annihilate religion because they trumpeted human reason as the ultimate value. And uh, this is ultimately why it was self-destructive and it couldn't hold together, and it ended with Napoleon, and it, uh, and it was destroyed.
1: Yeah. So think about it this way. Um, uh, Go back to creation. Go back to the garden. Go back before the fall. Even there, God's word trumped human reason. And human reason hadn't fallen yet. So now we're on the other side of the fall. So here's, I think, a second thing we got to be thinking about as we are considering, as we're using human reason to understand scripture, we should always do it with great humility because our human reason has fallen. Mm. Sin has. We are totally depraved, meaning the total depravity, meaning that we're not working out sin to the nth degree in our lives. But it does mean that it has affected all of us, all parts of us, so that even in good-hearted, God-honoring individuals have to humbly come to Scripture and be able to say, I submit to you because I know even my best of days is probably going to be affected somehow by this this thing called sin.
0: Yes. So two main reasons that you just described why human reason must first submit to divine revelation. Number one, because we are finite and God is infinite. Mm -hmm. So our human reason cannot hold together all the truths of the universe. No one person can, only God.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Secondly, the fallenness of man, and I would specifically say the noetic effects of the fall. And the way theologians talk Mm -hmm. about the noetic effects of the fall are the fallenness of our human thinking. So not only are we finite, but now we're bent towards ourself. Mm-hmm. We're bent towards sin. So we do things like we don't want there to be a creator because we want to sin, right? We want to sin, so we want to look for ways to make that sin okay. That's exactly what's happening in our society. Men and women want to have homosexual relationships. They want to sin and they look for rational justifications to make it happen. And the more... We're around homosexuality, and the more it's being condoned in our society, the more we can say things like, Well, what harm is it? What's the big deal? Right? That's our fallenness. We're not thinking biblically, we're not looking at what does God say about it, right? Mm-hmm. And then pastors can say, Well, I need, I want a lot of people to come to my church. And if I say this hard thing that the Bible says, I'm going to offend this person who's homosexual or has homosexual kids or has friends who are homosexual. So how can I take God's word and preserve the parts? And this is I'm just going to say it like this. Preserve the parts that I like Mm -hmm. and compromise the pieces that I don't to fit in with the, the felt needs of the people in this generation.
1: Yeah, and I would even go push it this way a little bit further in that as um, as a pastor or even as church members, God has oriented us. God has done a work in our lives. There, there's mercy. He's, we've, we've received mercy or we've received love. And so what we want to do is we want to be merciful and we want to be kind and we want to be loving towards others. So even if I'm not concerned about the size of my church, I may be concerned just about the... Um, the 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 feelings. I don't want to even use the word feelings because I, I want to get away from that. I want to, to to be concerned about someone who's struggling. So when they're struggling, what are they going through? They're going through angst. They're going through uh, trial. They're going through uh, trouble as they're trying to wrestle with maybe feelings that they have within themselves. So let's just think about a, someone who has homosexual tendencies. They have this this trial and trouble, and maybe they've had it for years. Man, there is a tendency to want to say ah, it's okay. It's all right, you know, because I want to be... I've received love and mercy. We're all sinners. Yes. God
0: loves you anyways. Jesus Christ came to die for all sins. Now, here's the deal. That's all true. Would that homosexual person believe that their homosexual lifestyle is a sin? Because if they don't, then that sin isn't crucified. Right. That sin isn't. They're not saved. Right. Right? Like, the loving thing to do is not to tell people soft, nice things that won't hurt their feelings. And let me just say this. Would you treat a slave owner the same way?
1: Well, of course not. Yeah. Oh, well, well,
0: now. Of course not now.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: 400 years ago, yeah. that's what, you know, in America, the pastor was tempted. Oh, I, I don't want to offend the slave owners. Yeah. Hmm. I don't want to offend them. If right. I if I offend them, you know they're going to stop coming to church and yeah, yeah. I want to so you know what? I'm going to kind of just justify it a little bit, give them some outs, just be kind, just do these things. Right? And so the, that's this is what I want to I want to get to. The cultural pressures of the day are always to compromise scripture. They're just in different points, yeah. different places. So 400 years ago, you you were tempted to compromise when it when it, in regards to slavery, right? now we're, we're being tempted to compromise in regard to sexuality or um, or gender mm-hmm. or uh, the roles of the husband and wife in yes. a home and in, in society but the temptation is always the same. Compromise scripture. Mm-hmm. Put human reason above scripture. Yeah. Put um, cultural whims whatever's hot, whatever's you know, above scripture itself, right? And that is, and soon as you start doing that, as soon as you start compromising, and here's the deal. This is what's so sneaky about it. Many of them, many of the people that compromise are doing it because they have an evangelistic heart. Mm. We would say they have a missional bent. They're trying to reach people. Try- I can't reach the slave owners if I come out hot and heavy every Sunday on the, on the demonic nature of slaveholder. If I come out and say, hey, man-stealing is a sin punishable unto death from the Old Testament. Yeah. like I can't. Then all these slave owners are going to walk out of my church and never come back. So I compromise <clears throat> just a little bit. I compromise, I compromise. I com- maybe I'm trying to do the best. Maybe I'm playing the long game. Mm. I'm trying to play the long game here, right? Well, same thing today. I, you have a homosexual friend? Oh, I, want, I, I want to preach the gospel in a way that this person stays in my church. Wrong. That's wrong. Yeah. That's a wrong impulse. Yeah. You must preach the gospel the way the scripture p- proclaims it and not care how it's being received in one sense. Now, I deeply care how it's received. I want to say it the best way possible and all that. But when you get up there and say, thus saith the Lord, if you are embarrassed of what scripture says, You've already failed your people.
3: Right, Step down. Step down. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. If you get up there
0: and hem-haw around, oh, I know, it's so hard, it's very difficult, you know, then you're teaching people that the Bible is burdensome. Yeah. The Bible, Jesus specifically said his commands are not burdensome. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Right. Jesus didn't have any problem saying, like, if you don't hate your brother and mother and sister on my behalf, you're not worthy to call me. If you put your hand to the plow when your father's got a fu- when you got a funeral for your father, then don't come back. Mm. He didn't. Ha- Why? Because following him is better than all of that.
2: Yeah. Mm.
0: More important than family itself. Yeah. And so, <laughs> I am deeply concerned, and I have no. I've been guilty in the past of rushing past certain texts. Mm. Because oh that was just back then, that was just back then. I, I don't really need to, I don't really need to study that. I don't really need to think about right. that. Clearly that was just back then. Mm. Um, and the more I've studied certain texts, the more I realize, wow, the argument he's making is not cultural. Right. The argument they're making is creational. So the argument for marriage is God created them male and female. Mm-hmm. and the two you know, the, the, the two shall become one, right? So that's the biblical theological definition of marriage. Right. One male, one female and a lifelong union. That's it. Everything else is a sin. Everything else is, and not just a sin, contrary to nature itself. Yes. Okay.
3: So you're so, saying, so you're talking about mission, right? Um, so as the person that is leading the church, the, the main speaker, like, should you only be tending to the flock and then them be missional?
0: My first, my primary responsibility, the elder's primary responsibility is to our flock. Mm -hmm. Yes. Now, um, Timothy, I think it's Timothy, Paul tells him to do the work of an evangelist, Mm -hmm. do the work of an evangelist. Mm -hmm. So I'm meant to be an evangelist in my personal life. I'm meant Mm -hmm. to be an evangelist as much as I can on Sunday. But here, this is where things get slippery, is when if if I believe my primary goal is to be an evangelist on Sunday morning, I'll never just read the Bible. Mm. Mm. I'll I'll actually avoid difficult texts. Sure, anything that the cultural, the culture deems uh, anathema, hot tub. Like let's just say right now, abortion, mm-hmm. gender, homosexuality. Um, we we would say. Anything
3: Com- political, pretty much.
0: Complementarianism mm. or patriarchy or men leading in the homes, men leading in the church. Um, anything that pushes back against feminism, these types of things, I'll never touch them. Mm. The pr- preacher will never touch them because those are not missional topics. Yeah, No one's going to come to your church because you're preaching on that. You're actually losing social capital to say those things and to preach against those things.
3: Mm.
0: Right? Now... I say that. But then, here's the strangest reality of all of this. Well, I don't think it's strange, given my worldview. But given this worldview I just described, every single liberal denomination in the country is dying. Yeah. I'm going to say something very... Women pastors destroy churches. Mm. Right? They they just do. And if you want your church to die a quick death, turn liberal.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's it. Conservative Bible believing churches are still growing in our country and globally in yeah. the world. Why? Because the gospel doesn't. The gospel is real. Miracles really happen. God's revelation is true. God changes men and women. God can save people. Mm -hmm. And men are called to lead their home. And men are called to lead the churches. And this is the way God has set up the world.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Right? And so it's going against nature and revelation to say otherwise. Mm -hmm.
3: That's
0: good. So... One of the things that they get into is what they call, what they they term the the patriarchy. And they, when we use the word patriarchy, we just mean in our Bible we read and the Bible as a whole um, displays a patriarchal reality. And what that means is father rule. Mm. Patri is father, archy is rule. Okay, so father rules. And what that means is i mean i I can't give us a whole theology of the patriarchy right now but men and women are created equal but they have different roles Mm. man was created first he was created to lead god formed man from the dust of the ground and so that came with some unique responsibilities this is one of the reasons men are built different it's a biological reality men have larger bone density men are bigger men are stronger Men are more dominant. Men have more testosterone. Men are, men have, men are the ones typically digging ditches, doing backbreaking work, going to war, fighting battles. Uh, they're more argumentative. They're more politically engaged. There's God has created men a certain type of way, and that manliness is meant to be harnessed and redeemed through the power of the gospel and pointed towards the loving of a spouse, the rearing of children, the protection of their family, leadership in the home, leadership in the church, leadership in society as a whole, okay? Now, God created female a certain type of way, created out of the side of Adam. He was made from the dust, meant to go out and make an earning and a living in the dust of the ground, out in the world. She was created from the side of Adam, which means She's not ahead of him, she's not behind him, she's right next to him, but she's made from flesh. She's made from him. And she's meant to be, whoa man, a helper to Adam, a helper. Mm -hmm. So, man is meant to be the leader, man Mm -hmm. is meant to have the the primary vision and the one out there um, um, leading, but she is a helper to him. And that is not a a term that is uh, a demeaning term in any way. Holy Spirit is called our helper. But we're, we're see, we, we see through Scripture that her primary orientation is to her husband and to her family, to yeah. her home. Mm-hmm. If his orientation is kind of outward, hers is inward. So he's out there going and, you know, uh, taking dominion over, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the field of the ground and, and produce. And we see that when man gets cursed, the ground gets cursed, right? So his work becomes harder. And what gets cursed for her? her womb,
2: mm-hmm.
0: labor, yep. right? And and her relationship with her husband, right? There's strife between her and her cool. husband now. Right. And and the seed of the serpent. So, a woman is meant to be primarily oriented to her home and to her husband. Okay? Mm-hmm. She's not meant to have her her own mission and he has his his own mission and you do mission together. No, that's not how it's supposed to work. Her mission is meant to fit within his mission.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? And so What's our mission? We want to raise godly children. We want to provide for our home. We want to have a Christian home. And so I'm out here doing this, the man says, and and I need you to, whatever, supplement me and whatever Mm. weaknesses I have, right? Mm. I want you to primarily take care of the children. I want, maybe you have a side job. You see Proverbs 31. She's out taking care of all the different things, selling land. She's doing business, doing work, but her primary orientation is towards her husband Towards her home, and he's at the at the at the gates of the city, dealing. And, yeah,
3: and, and she doing, submitted to him as she submits to the church. She's in submission with Christ.
0: Him. Now, that is a patriarchal home. The father rules, but it's not a. It's a kindly rule. It's a gently rule. It's a rule like Christ rules us. It's yeah. it's not, woman, grab me my shoes. You know, it's not. What's for dinner? It's not this type of dominant. It's it's she's his helpmate, right next to him, taken from his side. Like, man is the glory of God, but woman is the glory of man, the New Testament says. Woman is more beautiful than man. Like, she is the queen of the house. Like, Mm -hmm. if he's the king, she's the queen, right? And that is a glory, right? Men have a certain type of glory. Women have a certain type of glory. This is not demeaning. If you think it's demeaning, it's because you've swallowed a... A definition of womanhood from the world that has been uh, given to you by liberalism, which is you find your identity through your career. Right? No, you're not. You don't need to go find your Why? That's what the That's what the man has to do, right? So, a, only a woman can give birth. This is one of the reasons a woman is supposed to be nurturing and staying at home and and focused on the home is because that's what she can do and Mm -hmm. he can't do it. Literally, the man can't do this. Anybody can go get a job, right? So he's outward focused, she's more inward focused. Now, out of that reality, I could go into it more and more and more, you get a society that looks patriarchal because the men are out there doing what they do and the women are nurturing and they're focusing on their homes and they're doing what they do. And so the reality of the family as it plays out in the society, that's what it creates. It creates a patriarchal society where the fathers, um, you know, from one perspective, look like they have all the power, look like they have all the positions of authority, look like all, they have all, all the resources. And it, And it can be used in a sinful way and, and demean women, of course. But I think that's to look at things from an ungodly perspective. Right. Because in that same perspective, the women are safe. They're protected by by their, if it's biblical, they're protected by their Mm -hmm. husbands. They're free to do what God's called them to do within the home and flourish within the home. They're the most influential person in the the, the children's life. And that child grows up to run society, right? Male or female. That child grows up to run society. Mm -hmm. So, in one perspective, if a woman is at home, let's just say a stay-at-home. I'm not saying you can't work, but a stay-at-home mom, I would argue that she is with a in a, with a, in a patriarchal society with a husband that's providing and he's out there working. She is the most influential person in society because she is raising,
3: yeah.
0: let's just say, the hearts and minds mm. of the next generation.
2: Yeah,
0: right. Yeah. She she's doing that. So when the Bible speaks of patriarchy, that's what it talks about. Men are made a certain way. Women are made a certain way. We've been given certain roles. Are there some examples in Scripture where that's different? Yeah, of course. You've got Deborah, the judge. You've got different. And here's the, here's the basic principle. If there are no godly men to step up, then the women are, are called to step up. Right. Right? And it's a shame to the nation. <laughs> and, and God brings his judgment on the nation because of that, because there's no men to step up. Mm. And I would say the same thing for our society. The fact that we're sending women to, to the battlefield is a shame yeah. to, to a country, right? So, the Bible doesn't shy away from patriarchy. Now, if you think patriarchy is misogyny, if you think patriarchy is abusive to women, if you think patriarchy is sexism, the Bible rejects all those things. The Bible rejects misogyny, mm. sexism. It doesn't say men are better than women. Now, we can say men are better at women than some things. Men are better than women at feats of strength. Men are better than women at chess. Did you know that? It's a scientific reality. (laughs) Men are better at STEM research. It's just a historical, it's just a reality. And guess what? Women are better at many things. Women are far more nurturing. They're almost exclusively, when a woman chooses a career, she chooses a career of nurture. She chooses to uh, be a helpmeet to somebody
2: huh.
0: Nursing, teaching, um, I, I mean a I, I, uh, daycare worker, you know, all of these different uh, fields that are helping. They're, they're a helping field. Women primarily I and mean, women dominate uh, the field of nursing in and, and, and these, and these fields, right? They're better at those things yep. than men are. We all, we have different. We're better at different things, yeah. right? We're created in a certain way. So we would say, overall, if you have a biblical understanding of patriarchy, it's not a bad thing.
3: Mm.
0: I think it's a good thing. I think it's the way God set up the right. world to to operate, right? And when we had a patriarchy, <laughs> I think things were a lot better. For even the women in our society Mm -hmm. right they didn't have to go find their own identity through their own career Mm -hmm. right right? they had uh, it was okay to be a stay at home mom it was okay to work at home and you didn't have to justify your existence by doing something in wider society right it was okay to to just nurture your children Mm -hmm. Um, there was a protective society around culture and now we have the rise of pornography Mm -hmm. we have the rise of they're trying to legalize Prostitution, mm. there's OnlyFans, there's all of this uh, rape culture, and mm. all you know, you're all of this is a consequence of what you called egalitarianism, yeah. saying men and women are equal, and we can put them in a dorm room together, we can put them on you know in one college building together, like they're just the same thing.
1: A barracks together in the army. A barracks or together. A water, you it's know, in the military. bizarre.
0: Yeah, a, a locker room. Yeah. In high school. Yeah.
1: Prisons.
3: Yeah. Prisons. Yeah. it yeah. would be crazy. Right?
0: So I did that whole spiel on patriarchy because in this ELCA document, they're saying patriarchy is a sin. Mm. And I think many of us, maybe we wouldn't go that far, but in our gut, we, we probably have been more influenced by feminism mm-hmm. than we realize.
3: What do we say to the people that have been hurt by the patriarch? Yeah, and of the I think
1: I, I was just as you kind of going mm-hmm. on there a little bit. I was just thinking about as I as I read this this document and didn't read all of it, but read a good portion of it. Uh, the heart is is that very thing. Is well, there there is an acknowledgement that there has been an abuse yeah. of uh, this rule or this this father rule of which I think they they're saying we want to respond to that we want to respond to the 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 women who are who are you know, left left to themselves and live in a society of which they have no place of, of to be able to make to make yeah, you know any kind of means uh, of living. Or, you know, you can begin to go through. I think it's a response to sin, it's just the wrong response to yeah. sin. It's it's they're wanting to throw everything out and re kind of reconstruct, if you will, or maybe we as we were saying earlier, deconstruct, but to reconstruct the society around a different kind of uh, uh, idea. So. Um, I mean your question is you you asked a general question I think it would be a very specific question of is yeah, I would say that there have been uh, I mean I'm I am as a uh, head of the home. A, a father and a, and a husband Have not been perfect In what I've done And that my wife could claim Yeah there's been some times When that patriarchy thing Didn't work very well In, in our family as well And I have to confess that I have to repent of that I have to turn mm-hmm. from that Kind of a kind field of to it And so if that's if that's true for me Who the, the spirit of God Lives within me Those who don't have The spirit of God within them Yes there is going to be abuse There's going to be a yeah. uh, misuse Of this rule that God has given And in those cases then Yeah obviously we want to minister teach particular person in, in in the situation that they are in. and Yeah. yeah.
3: And I think the frustrating part is, too, like you talk about the responses, you know, and that's what this pretty much is right here um, is a response, you know, to a lot of the things that are going on in the culture. But the frustrating thing is, like, for as smart as people are at the top, you know, they're willing to almost put out any response rather than doing their homework and researching and waiting um, for a correct they're they're reacting instead of responding. Mm-hmm. And that's the most frustrating thing. Where then when uh, a big, you know, someone like the the Lutherans, you mm-hmm. know, that respond this way, a lot of people follow that. And it's and it's hurtful and it's, you know, it's it's killing a, it's killing a lot.
0: Yeah. And I, I would just push back and say, what do you mean by being hurt by quote, the patriarchy? Mm-hmm. Um that that's a big question. That it seems uh, what's behind that. I mean the Bible condemns I'm going to use a word now that's hot and whatever. The Bible condemns toxic masculinity. Yeah. The Bible condemns abusive leadership. The Bible condemns um it specifically tells fathers, you know, don't provoke your children to anger. Right. Like to treat your wife and i'm going to use the word as as the weaker vessel like to um the bible tells us to love our wife right and 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 treat each other fairly and all these different things so that's the patriarchy Mm. when you say i've been if somebody says i've been hurt by the patriarchy what do you mean because that could just be envy Mm. that could just be jealousy and and most of what I hear in our society today is nothing but envy. It's nothing but jealousy. It's looking at the top 1% of society and saying, why are they almost all white males? Mm. Clearly it's a patriarchy. Well, guess what? 90% of prisons are males.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. 90% of prison are males. So not only are males the top 1%, We're also 90% of prisons. Do you want that statistic too? True? Mm. Do you want that statistic too? Like, do you see what I mean? Like, being a man comes with certain challenges, right? The majority of men are digging ditches. The majority of men are doing high-risk careers. Mm. They're drilling wells. They're on the Bering Sea. They're climbing cell towers. They're robbing banks. They're doing illegal things. They're drug dealers. I like men are bigger risk takers. One of the things that God made us, he made us to be risk takers to get out there and take risks. And so with greater risk comes greater reward or greater punishment. <laughs> yeah. So you're looking at men being risk takers. That's why nine out of 10 people in prison are men. Okay. So that comes with a downside, a huge downside, right? Right. And the top 1%, a very small minority of people, are, are men as well, yeah. right? So it's not the patriarchy. That's a, you're, you've created a boogeyman, mm. and you're throwing, you're throwing shots at a boogeyman, and it's not the boogeyman, right. right? Those men did things that you didn't do. Those men took risks that you didn't do, right? Mm. And many of those men failed and ended up in prison and, and went bankrupt, and you don't want that. Necessarily Mm. that result, either, right?
3: But I think, too, I mean, we don't have to, you know, prove it. The scripture does it for us, you know, and we, I mean, I know it's hard to hear for a lot of people. I think when we get into explaining it, sometimes we get it, that's when we get ourselves into trouble, but the scripture speaks to it for itself.
0: Yeah. They say here specifically, a patriarchal worldview and a way of life grants male privilege. Hmm. That's a lie. It's just a lie, and it's from the pit of hell and go to the coal mines of Kentucky and ask them about male privilege.
2: Yeah.
0: No. Like, go to the fishing boats in the Bering Sea and ask them about male, male privilege. Mm-hmm. Go, to John, go to John Deere and ask the, the line workers that are working 12 hours a day about male privilege. <laughs> yeah. Right? No, it, go to the front lines of battle and ask them about male privilege. Men have the privilege of laying their life down for their family. And yeah. that's when we are at our best. Mm-hmm. Why are we out there on the boats? Why are we down in the m- coal mines? Why are we drilling wells? Why are we on the, the lines of John Deere? Why are we on the front lines of battle? Because we love what's behind us. We're protecting our wives. We're protecting our families. We're pre- protecting our civilization, yeah. right? So it's just, man, it's just, it's a lie. It's mm. a lie. And it's meant to create envy between male and female,
3: mm. husband and wife. And I think, too, like uh, for people that are believing this lie, I think sometimes we got to ask ourselves, what are we feeding ourselves? You know, are we feeding ourselves TikTok and all the stuff that we see online or you know, news or are we feeding ourselves the word of God? Yeah.
0: So, um, if you have this uh, this worldview that men and women are equal, I don't mean we have equality of dignity, value, and worth, but we're let's just say equivalent and everything a man can do, a woman can do, and everything a woman can do, a man can do. If you have this view, then you're going to come to church and you're going to say, why aren't women preaching? And you're going to read the text and you're going to say, why aren't there any, you know, women pastors? Why aren't there any women disciples? Mm -hmm. You're going to say say those things. And then if you believe that that human reason in your worldview right now trumps the Bible— then you're going to say things like, well, the Bible is a cultural document and it was written a long time ago and we must update it to fit with our preferences today. Mm. And you are taking one step on the slippery slope of liberalism. Mm. And before long, I mean, you you say, no, I won't, I'll never embrace homosexuality, I'll never embrace homosexual marriage, I'll never embrace all these other things. And you don't realize there's nothing stopping you. Right. Once you've looked at the text of scripture and say, well, that's not what it really says. Mm-hmm. We know what it really says. You're sliding down the slope yeah. you know, and you can do it a hundred more times.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Any other thoughts from this? Mm. Rob, are you thinking about anything?
1: <laughs> oh, just about 55 other thoughts that <laughs> we don't have time for. This is a huge document. It's 85 pages.
0: 85 and, pages. And
1: so we're talking, There's a there's a ton of details in here that we could we could get at. Um, I, I think we probably have hit on the in the probably the, the the kernel of the of the issue and that is what are we using as our authority ultimately? Yeah. Is it going to be my reason or is it going to be God's word? And uh, I think that really does get back down to it. But wow, there's a lot here. I'm just <laughs> I'm scanning it as we're talking and I okay we probably should just stop. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. So in the words of John Piper, farewell ELCA. They have, want, they have went the way of woke. They have went the way of liberalism. And barring a revival, uh, their lampstand has gone out, and Jesus will judge them, and he will close their shop. And I pray they leave us a good building. Yep. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Listen, I just got, we just got back from uh, touring a beautiful building last week, and this was a congregational church. And this church uh, a few years ago embraced... They, they, they put their stamp of approval on homosexuality. And then a couple years after that, they hired in a, a, a lesbian pastor and a lesbian youth pastor. And surprise, surprise, hmm. uh, they've dwindled and died and those people have moved on. And now this multi, multi, I don't even know how many multi, million dollar building that is absolutely stunning and beautiful. Yeah has less than 50 congregants and uh and that's what happens and you start preaching a false gospel you compromise on the scripture and god will put your lampstand out yeah and uh yeah so that's that document we do not want to take one step towards liberalism we want to walk we want to just say hey what does the bible say i believe it and we're Mm -hmm. gonna we're gonna stick to it and for us that is the essence of conservatism we're conserving the scripture and the in the uh, the norms of the biblical norms of society. So, if you get any questions, guys, I know we talked about a lot of things. Email me, Justin at sacredcitychurch.com. We love you. God bless you. Talk to you soon.